You're listening to the Mayor Greg Fisher Podcast. When you travel to a new city, the most memorable part is often related to a small business, like a can't-miss restaurant or a -a one-of-a-kind shop. The same thing applies here at home. With Small Business Saturday right around the corner on November 24th, the mayor took the opportunity to sit down with Metro Government's Rebecca Flyshaker and small business owner Nathaniel Gravely to talk about Louisville's small business economy. Rebecca is the city's deputy director of economic development and leads the city's small business development team, and that team offers a lot of programs to help entrepreneurs get going in Louisville. Nathaniel is one of those entrepreneurs. He's co-owner of Gravely Brewing Company on Baxter Avenue. Let's listen in. So happy to be joined here today by Nathaniel Gravely, co-owner of Gravely Brewing Company. Just a tremendous new business. It's really even hard to look at it as a business. It's such a good time, but somehow (laughs) you're figuring out how to combine good times and hopefully a good business as well. And Rebecca Flyshaker, Deputy Director of Economic Development for Louisville Ford, also known as Fly by those who work (laughs) with her and admire her good work. So, Rebecca, great to have you in the house here. Thank you, sir. Can you tell us a little bit about how your team works with small business owners and aspiring owners, and what kind of resources do you provide? Sure. Uh, There's a team of seven of us. Three of us are geographically assigned, um, and they work through business associations, Metro Council people, um, help businesses in those areas really along the commercial corridors know um, what corners need help, if there are holes in a storefront, um, and then we have a staff focused on minority um, inclusion, supplier diversity. We have a staff who sits at our satellite office at the NIA Center at 29th and Broadway. And then we have one who manages our loan program called METCO. And all seven of us, and then plus me, and then mm-hmm. all seven of us really offer technical assistance to businesses, either startups, people who are dreamers, who have a great idea and don't know where to go, or businesses, small businesses who want to grow or find a second location. And so we um, help with business plans, financial plans, strategic plans, um, and we also do a lot of facilitating referrals and connections to other small business resource providers. Louisville has a huge ecosystem. We're very lucky that we have a lot of partners that we work with, and um, we've actually developed a really nice database. Um, They're all in it so that we can refer clients through the database to our partner to do XYZ, whatever they are uh, an expert in, refer back to us. We can track these clients, hold their hands. It's a tighter safety net than we've had before so that we can get them through the spectrum of services that we can give them and hopefully on their way to opening a business sooner. That's a lot. We're busy. So, so, so what's like a common problem that comes to you all? Um, a lot of people think they need money. So usually the request for financial incentives is the first thing. But then it's our job to ask the questions, to dig deeper. Uh, and usually it's not money. Usually it is that they, um, they've been in business a year or two and need to figure out how to grow their business. And so a strategic plan or figuring out who their market is. Um, who, where their demand is coming from. So we actually send a lot of people to the library to do some lynda.com courses to figure out mm. what you need to learn about this industry that you want to be in or that you are in, figure out how you can grow, and then we kind of help them between those, betwixt and between, um, with a financial plan or strate- strategic plan so that they can get over that hump. Um, the death rate of businesses is the highest three to five years for small businesses. So we know that's when they need the most touches from small business resource providers. Nathaniel, you've got a really wonderful business that 
combines a couple different concepts. So first, if you tell us about your concept, and then how did you get in touch with Louisville Forward? Why did you contact them? Yeah, so we, we own what is very blandly a brewery, but what I like to call the world's first music brewery. Yeah. Um, so everything that we do outside of making our own beer in, in the craft beer sector is kind of tied thematically to music. So music's kind of the marketing prism that we use to kind of drive the beer forward, uh, meaning we also have shows, uh, live music concerts inside of our venue. And if you go into our actual place, you'll see our branding is kind of modeled around the G note, a musical scale, and then the bar back itself is this awesome thing called the Wall of Sound. It's an homage to... Phil Spector or some Grateful Dead fans like to think on their tour in the 70s they had with the big wall of sound speakers. So it's pretty fun. Um, so yeah, and then in terms of getting connected with Louisville Forward, you know, for myself, you know, we just opened a, about a year and a half ago at this point. But before that, it was really three to five years of just pre-development in terms of the initial idea and kind of incubating that through various stages and pivoting and kind of getting from just a music venue concept of how I started it to this brewery hybrid music venue situation. Um, and then we got, you know, I had earmarked in my head as an entrepreneur and kind of checking out different cities at the time, looking to do something like this Louisville a long time ago. Um, my career took me outside of Kentucky and to New York and Nashville before I came back here. But Louisville always stuck out to me uh, from a cultural perspective and a small business perspective, especially because I just always felt that there was this warm embrace, not even from a city perspective when it comes to the, like metro and economic development, which there totally is, and I'll talk about that in a second, but just from a citizen perspective, uh, people here just go in droves to support local businesses. Um, of course, there's chains like any other big city would have, but it's people skew more towards kind of embracing those districts that are developing like in Nulu and Market Street and the Highlands, which has been thriving for 30 plus years and, and longer and Crescent Hill, and they love going to local stuff. So that's important when you're thinking about starting a business in a city is to see will people, no matter what it is, embrace it and just kind of want to check it out because it's local and, and new and starting up. So when we got in touch with Louisville Forward. Um, you know, there's a ton of great people down there from different divisions that we've worked with from across the Metco side to codes and regulations to planning and permitting that all kind of funnel up to the economic development sector. And they've, they were instrumental. Um, it was, as you guys might know or may not know, there's definitely red tape involved when it's working with different types of government and a sort of bureaucratic nature that you expect to kind of hit brick walls as you're going through a process of development. And we just didn't really have a lot of those. Uh, and that's a testament to, you know, how you guys run the operation and stay in touch to make sure that we're not going to hit that stuff. And is that how, so you, codes and regs, that's what you contacted them for, just you needed some help, is that? You know, I'm trying to think how it initially started. I, you know, there's a lot of, it was probably more from an ABC perspective, okay. I think originally. Um, being a brewery, you know, from a federal level, a state level, so there's three different tiers basically of kind of licensing that we needed to acquire in order to be permitted to even do what we wanted to do. Uh, so getting to see the nuances of that, I think was probably what started the initial conversation. And of course, you know, Kentucky being a huge bourbon uh, state, you know, that stuff, they have, are dealing with lots of that, but the craft beer side is really starting to kind of explode then. You know, it's been really successful the last three to five years here, I'd say. And there's of course the kind of landmark breweries that have been here for a while, but, you know, kind of investigating that side from, the different licensing tiers that we needed to achieve, when to get them, how long they take, you know, that stuff can be overwhelming because it's right. just a lot of paperwork. Um, so getting in touch with somebody on the Louisville Ford side, they, we went through Louisville Ford and they just connected us with the right people mm -hmm. in the ABC side and it kind of just went on from there. So Fly here in Nathaniel, we've got an entrepreneur that 
has been thinking about a business plan mm-hmm. for quite some time and refining mm-hmm. it. So a little different than what you're normally used to experiencing. Yes. So further along probably in his business planning <laughs> than most people we work with. <laughs> and what we have been trying to emphasize for the last seven years is, you know, kind of this customer first mentality. Everybody gets concierge service. Absolutely. Tell us a little bit about that and then some of the new free training programs that sure. but, that are available to budding entrepreneurs. So um the favorite part of my job is that you get to help somebody. So you have to meet them where they are. You never know where that is until you sit down with them. Um, the more questions we ask, the more we start to see some common gaps in programs that didn't exist that people were interested in creating um, a business around. So two um, programs that we built are around, one is the Etsy Craft Entrepreneurship Program, and one is our Food Entrepreneurship Program. Both are are free. They're run by us, and it is um, weeks-long sessions that basically help walk you through different facets of running either a craft entrepreneurship program or a business or a food business. And the, the Etsy program is really cool because we worked with Etsy in the very beginning, and we did it so well they kind of left us alone. But it is for anybody who has a handmade craft who wants to sell on the Etsy platform. And so your classes that you go through are pretty simple. I mean, you know how to make your craft, but do you know how to photograph it? Do you know how to Mm -hmm. talk about it? Do you know how to actually have something that looks professional and that people will want to come to on the Etsy website? I hope you guys know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. And then the Food Entrepreneurship Program, um, we have been, I have been working with grocery development. Our team has been working with uh, restaurants, especially in West Louisville, we know that there is um, an absence of restaurants, um, sit-down restaurants, but also food access. And so we wanted to be able to create something that would help people in their own neighborhood create um, or grow their ideas for in the food industry. And so the this is a 10-week program. It's everything from the back of the house to the front of the house, including security, food inventory, purchasing, how your kitchen is set up. Um, and it's really cool to see because you see a lot of light bulbs going off in both of these classes, and that's really gratifying. we got so many people in our city that have got such great style with food. Uh, so bourbonism, much. of course, has blown up in our city, our mm-hmm. craft beer scene. Nathaniel is just blowing up, too. We just got a, a top ten last week on our craft beer scene as well. So tell us a little bit about your your food concept, your beer concept at Gravely. Yeah, well, just starting, I guess, natively with the beer, um, my brother-in-law, Corey Bunin, is the head brewer. Uh, also got him to come here from his previous job in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, uh, where he's been brewing for 17 years there, I think, but 20-plus all put together so just a really he's an expert brewer um and he just makes a ton of great delicious beer across really all spectrums um you know he's we won an award recently for his german pilsner uh at the world beer cup it took home silver medal so Louisville has the Big home deal. to the yeah. second best german pilsner in the world which is great sprockets um but you know he makes fantastic ipas and stouts and other lagers so we don't really we're just not known for doing one thing we do kind of a bunch of things really well which is nice and the food concept, uh, we're a little different in the fact that we didn't go the traditional kind of bar restaurant model. Uh, and by that, I mean we didn't invest in putting our own kitchen in and hiring a chef and a kitchen manager, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, for us, it was kind of thinking, you know, Corey does the beer scene really well, makes it and can make a great product. And then my side of it was you know, putting the business together, the marketing, the branding, and kind of everything else that wasn't making the beer. Those two things alone are 
a lot to, to bite off and chew. Uh, so why do we want to take like a, you know, a third part of this and try to manage a, a kitchen too. But on the flip side, it's like, you know, you're, you're drinking and when you want to go out and have fun, you want to go eat. So, uh, for me, I looked at having a, a food truck on our site, but not in the traditional sense that was, let's have five food trucks come in on five different days and kind of wheel in, wheel out sort of thing. I wanted something that was an exclusive partnership that was kind of unique to our location and that wasn't going to move. Uh, so we actually partnered up with uh, the local restaurant tours here, Mayan Cafe. Um, they're another locally owned business that's been around for, I think, almost 20 years collectively between time. Bruce's whole yeah. experience cooking. Uh, and then we came up with a cool agreement to where we were going to do our thing really well and bring people in because of the beer and the atmosphere and the branding. And then mine was going to do their thing really well and open up a new concept called Mine Street Food uh, that was making kind of a more casual uh, taco, sabute, guacamole situation for our, our customer base. Um, so we, we did a really good deal with them and found, you know, talked to Louisville Ford again. In the state code, there's a nice little mm-hmm. sort of loophole uh, when it comes to food trucks being able to be at a place. Um, they're just not supposed to be there permanently. So we kind of had a fun little adventure on that one <laughs> halfway that's, through opening up. That's the other thing I didn't uh, say that we do uh, from our small business team is we help like a lot of random issues that pop up that small businesses face. This is a perfect example of yeah. how we can help. It was fun. I'll say that looking back. In retrospect. Yeah, in retrospect. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, <laughs> not to make a long story longer, but basically there's a loophole that says you have a food truck, but it needs to be moved like once every 14 days and can't stay in the same spot for 30 days. And my thinking is why that was developed at the state levels because they probably don't want food trucks parked right in front of you know your guys's office or in front of the humana building or wherever in louisville and they can't just take all the business in that one spot totally get it our situation was definitely unique in the fact that we set up this food truck on our back beer garden area and we had hard plumbed it and run lines to it so we had every intent of it never leaving because it wanted to be there all the time we were sharing a pos it was all supposed to be kind of one cohesive consumer experience I don't know if other people that in their food industry and have trucks were not happy with the success we were experiencing or, or whatnot, but somebody called and complained and said, hey, I know this rule exists. Hmm. Like, I don't think, I think we should be allowed to go park it gravely and serve food. So then, you know, everybody doing their job as ordained by the rules said that we have to move the truck and well, we're hard plumbed. <laughs> like, we're not, we can't move the truck. I don't, that's not really how this works at the, for us. But at that point we came kind of pleading and a little bit freaking out maybe uh to to metro and move forward yeah <laughs> especially the mine side obviously because you know my building's still fine the, the truck was the one jeopardy at that point but it affects the whole business so we're trying to figure out a way to work with all the different agencies from planning and development to zoning to the health department i mean there was probably in the meetings we had like six different departments in the room yeah, and it was just mainly animal. can we get everybody together explain the problem adhere by the rules not try to break or bend them at all and like figure out a way to where this thing can continue so we hit a little a little dry spell in the terms we had to kind of like finagle some things and shut down but now the food truck is basically a fully permitted restaurant yeah, yeah. Well, we got through it i mean that's one yeah. of the things i love about our city we can pull people together to get things yeah. done yeah. so and bruce uh you can and mind cafe tremendous professionals absolutely and a a food partner there so congratulations on that and getting that done was super important because the model that you all have is different and unique and i think goes towards our authenticity of what you can offer in a neighborhood that just doesn't exist everywhere well it's when people walk up to it they just say this is cool right it's a great experience why doesn't this happen more places absolutely i mean we're we're trying to reinvent the wheel or anything but well but creative and then a great view and a great terrace that you built there overlooking the city in an unexpected place so just lots of things that when you have that kind of experience people are like hey i want to come back to this sensory overload is always a good thing yeah (laughs) well 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 done now but getting down to more of the basic stuff you know people always say 
Metco loan. What is a Metco loan? I hear that all the time. So explain that to us and how do people use them? So Metco just stands for Metropolitan Business Development Corporation. Not really sure how we got to that acronym, but that's all that is. It's the name of the board. It is our small business loan program, and it is there are many different funds. So um, for working capital, for accessibility to make your um, bathrooms or doorways more accessible, um, for facade improvements, and for underserved areas of town, um, that we can help with a little bit of money close the gap to make a project real to hire jobs from the neighborhood, to bring a new service to the neighborhood, something that helps improve livability in that area. And the average size of a Metco loan? Um, average would be 50 to 80. We can go up to 200. Rarely do we do that. Facade loans are usually around 30 to 50. That's my favorite loan product. Yeah. Uh, and for those thinking about that, know that we almost always are paid back. Uh, this yes. is not a grant. Our payback yeah. rate is extremely high. Yes. So how can small business owners how can small business owners reach the small business team? Uh, it's super easy. So you can call our main line five five oh two five seven four four one four oh online uh, louisvilleky.gov slash Louisville Forward. Um, or you can email any of our team. It's first name dot last name at louisvilleky.gov. Mine's super long. It's not fly. Yeah. It's I, I need to change KY. it. KY.gov. People complain let's, let's, about let's it. Let's do that, too. <laughs> okay, let's close with a lightning round. Nathaniel, most favorite music? Oh, genre or like band or? Just run with it, man. Uh, I love Modest Mouse. Okay. Most favorite beer? Ooh, uh, Sprockets, German Pilsner. Gotta Lord be Leonard, gotta one be. of the best in the world. You have great fly, beer. most favorite trait of small business owners? Um, a entrepreneurial spirit that never dies you see it don't you all the time and i love it no it it, it really inspires you yeah. when you're around small businesses and this is really important work because we know that for every hundred dollars spent at a locally owned independent business 55 dollars flows back through the community whereas only 14 bucks is reinvested if you go with that same money at a national chain so we we love everybody but we really love our local businesses it <laughs> gives us authenticity it gives us the kind of flair that we love as a city, why we're now a top 15 millennial growing city mm -hmm. in the country. So we want to double down on this. And one way for our listeners to do that is join me for Small Business Saturday. It's the Saturday after Thanksgiving, and that's when you can go out and support local businesses and buy local this holiday season. So Rebecca Flyshaker, Fly, thank you so much for being with us. And thank Nathaniel Gravely, thank you for being My a great pleasure. entrepreneur. Thanks for having me. That was Mayor Fisher speaking with Rebecca Flyshaker of the city's economic development team and Nathaniel Gravely, co-owner of Gravely Brewing Company. You can subscribe to the Mayor Greg Fisher podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you get podcasts. You can keep up with the mayor. He's in constant motion on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Our producer is Joe Lord. I'm Graham Shelby. Thank you for listening to the Mayor Greg Fisher podcast.